Hello, and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. I'm your host, Patrick. And on this episode, we are going to follow up to the last episode that I did with Roger Gillis, and we discussed his book, Women on the Move. If you haven't listened to that episode already, I suggest that you might want to pause, go back and listen to it. One, it's really good. I think it shares a part of our history, specifically women's racing 120 years ago, that most of us, myself included, were not aware of. After I recorded that episode, I got to thinking that it would be neat to reach out to a current women's racer um, and kind of get some perspective on what her thoughts were on the book or the podcast and what women's racing looks like now, some of the stuff that's good, some of the stuff that's bad. And I reached out to a few people and Jolene Holland was recommended to me. I already follow her on Instagram and and know a little bit about her. And I met her, actually, I met her at Spirit World 100 this year when I was in uh, Patagonia there. Yeah, I reached out to her and she was more than willing to chat. And I just want to uh, thank her for tackling this topic. I don't want her to feel like she's speaking for all women. That's a conversation with many, many levels. And it's certainly unfair to put the weight of all womanhood on her shoulders, but it was good to just chat with her, open up a dialogue about her perspectives uh, in women's racing and her experiences therein. As always, I really enjoy talking to her. She's a very inspirational person who's uh, diligently and intentionally making conscious efforts to improve uh, women's cycling, women's racing, and we had a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. But before we get to the show, I just want to remind you that this show is 100% listener supported. I couldn't do it without you. I mean that. I'm pumping out way more episodes than I ever thought possible or uh, ever thought that I would. Um, And that's simply a factor of all the support that I get from y'all and specifically the financial contributions. They are very helpful. Um, You can head over to bikesordeath.com and I've made it easy for you to find ways to support the show. Um, I would like to highlight Patreon is a great way to be a sustaining member of the show. For as little as a dollar a month, you can sign up to be a sustaining member of the show. I send you some swag and I'm looking at ways right now to improve the benefit to patrons. Um, I've got an idea that I've been kicking around for a few months and, uh, well, I guess I could just tease it real quick. Uh, What I'm planning to do is a separate segment of the show called Shifting Gears, and it would be talking about just a topic. So I would bring in a guest. I have several on my mind, but I would bring in a guest and we would maybe tackle like bicycle safety or um, being an adventurer and being a family man, you know, things in that vein. Um, And so the the format would probably be about 30 minutes. It'd be a shorter format. And we would just tackle that one topic. And as a patron, what you'd be able to do is submit a guest that you'd like to hear on or a topic that you would like to have discussed 
questions uh, about the topic and whatnot. So that's kind of the direction that I'm headed uh, and currently what I got brewing and I'm working on. Um, so if that does sound awesome and something that you think would be cool, just reach out and let me know. Uh, feedback is always appreciated. So if you think you'd be into that and that would be worth a dollar a month, um, just shoot me a DM on Instagram where you can uh, get my contact information at www.bikesordeath. All right, that's it. I had a great time in Austin sitting down with Jolene Holland, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as well. So let's get to it. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Here I am in McKinney Falls State Park, joined by Jolene Holland. Correct. All right. I got I know who I'm talking to. That's great. Um, real quick, why don't you give us an elevator pitch on your background in cycling, just to kind of mm-hmm. introduce anybody who doesn't know you to, yeah, what are... What, what are your credentials as a cyclist? <laughs> I haven't asked that question before, I but like you have credentials. Yeah. <laughs> Something, I, you also have crutches. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do credentials first and, and then crutches. <laughs> uh, it's kind of crazy. Time time tends to go by faster and faster um, with every year, as they say, and it does. And, and all of a sudden, I have been riding my bike for... Uh, a little over 10 years now and that's crazy so I guess when you think of credentials I'm like damn I have been riding yeah, my bike I've been for doing a bit this well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I came to the old bicycle when I was living in Chicago um, as a fresh 19 year old out of high school got myself to college and uh, found myself waiting on the L platforms for the train in like two degree weather with 25 mile per hour wind just hitting you in the face and i was like there's got to be a better way to get around i gotta ride my bike in 25 mile an hour wind (laughs) and the funny thing is uh i mean i had i had never really ridden a bike um i learned how to ride a bike at one point but i had never ridden a bike to get from point a to point b and for some reason on that L platform in the winter being cold, I was like, I think I could ride a bike and stay warmer. Really? It <laughs> yeah. just hits. Well, I guess it makes sense because you're like, well, walking, I'm not going to get hot enough. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then. Uh, and so you're I, like, if I ride, I'm going to be like building up body heat. It, yeah, totally. Absolutely. The body heat. And then um, also I have to say I'm like perpetually five to 10 minutes late. And so sticking <laughs> on a bus or a train schedule was a little difficult. <laughs> And uh, I was like, you know, what? I, th- I think I can, I think I'd ride, ride a bike, and uh, that was like prime fixie era as well. Um, I didn't know anything about the bike world at all, but like there were the cute fixie kids in yeah. Chicago, and yeah, I yeah. did take note of that. Sure. 
I, you know, thought I was paying a massive amount of money to buy like a $150 bicycle, you know, mm-hmm. as, as you do when you are starting to look at bikes for the first time. And, um, so I started riding and I also was taking, um, a class in, in school called power politics and race in Chicago. And it made me kind of reflect on, um, societal issues and how the urban form relate, um, and, you know, have responded to each other and how then also cars have impacted the urban form and society. And, you know, I'm like thinking about all of this as I'm like riding my bike from point A to point B for the first time. And so it was kind of a collision of worlds for me because I um, obviously got really excited about riding my bike, but I also got really interested in urban planning and transportation planning. And that's what I ended up going to grad school for. Cool. Yeah. So I uh, decided I wasn't going to stay in Chicago because I was actually studying theater at the time, which is hilarious. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, but I did realize that I... None of us know what we're doing until we <laughs> figure shit out. You know, like all anyone's ever doing is like, okay, do I like that? Am I a theater person? Am I a mm-hmm. cyclist? Am I an engineer? Like what am totally. I? So yeah. Yeah. And... Um, so you're not a theater person. No, turns out. <laughs> Although I did love it. Um, and I absolutely think being in Chicago was like a catalyst for where I am today. Sure. Even though I'm in massive debt for going to a private college, you know, for two years for theater. <laughs> That's okay. Pro cycling will pay for that. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Ugh, I'm jumping. I'm foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I ended up moving back to where I'm from, Omaha, Nebraska. And, and <clears throat> luckily at the time... There was a new local bike shop that was kind of focused around cool commuter type type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this was 2010, and uh, started. I like basically <laughs> walked in, was like, I don't know anything about bikes, but I need a job, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, kind of started going on their like social rides and stuff. And uh, eventually, and the manager was actually a woman, which was really cool. And she was like, "Hey, we need a salesperson. Want to yeah. work part time as you're finishing your undergrad?" I'm like, I do, <laughs> and awesome. that was the the big fall into the black hole that uh, is the cycling world. Yes. And how uh, long did it take? Were you a quick, a quick convert to the black hole? or did Yeah, it? <laughs> totally. Um, I have always been competitive and I've always loved, um, I've loved sports. I never was like really good at it or I just did sports throughout high school, but was like an average athlete, mm. I would say. And uh, so I, I liked, I liked the, the physical challenge that riding gave yeah. me. Yeah, what, um, yeah, that's what I was going to ask is what part of it appealed to you? Like what aspect of cycling were you like? Oh man, I think so much like that. Oh, really? and, yeah. and I think I'm still excited about like all of the aspects that are that's, cycling. That's the right answer. <laughs> yeah. Good answer, yes. Uh, but you know, at first it was just getting out of a car. Um, I, I, I really hated driving ever since I was young. Um, 
and stuff. And so it was, it was actually interesting moving back to Omaha. I had never owned a car. I just used like parents' cars and stuff. And then I moved to Chicago. You obviously mm. don't need a car. Yeah. Um, so I was coming back to Omaha and I'm like, well, I am broke. There's no way I'm buying a car. And I had never considered riding a bike before in Omaha. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I mm. had like, actually my favorite teacher in high school did commute on a bike and that was like you know, he was like the crazy hippie guy that, yeah. <laughs> that uh, rode a bike. I, I knew so that, that was my guy only in exposure. my hometown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was my only exposure. I trying to remember his name. Van Brunt. Uh, Bob Van Brunt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah everybody knows. Everybody knows him. Shout out to Bob. <laughs> <laughs> he owns hot dogs, etc. We'll give him some business there. Awesome. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I did come back to Omaha and I was like, well... So then I you guess became I'm gonna the commute. crazy I did. I became the crazy girl riding her bike. And like nice. all my classmates knew me as that, which is kind of funny. Um and so I yeah, I was commuting and that's why I kind of like got interested in those like social group rides at that bike shop. And I was like, this is really cool. I would love to, you know, work there part time. And then um I actually ended up meeting my partner now at that bike shop who is he that? was working jonathan J- i just know JK his instagram Neve at jk <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so that's where we met and we were like good friends for like two cool. three years before ever dating um again all the collision of worlds right right yeah <laughs> and it's the the bike is a funny thread i think throughout all of it so I got, uh, of course, I just got sucked into cycling. Like I wanted to know about all of it and I wanted to ride all of it. <laughs> like it was just this huge world that I had. I didn't, I didn't even really, I don't even think I really knew about the Tour de France. Like that's like the one thing normal people know about yeah, bikes, right? And yeah. I'm like, I guess I kind of knew because of Lance. And yeah. it's like, that's, that was my exposure to biking. Right. And definitely <laughs> nothing about racing. That's probably most of the world is like, Absolutely. they know Lance Armstrong and they kind of know that there's like a race. In particular, Americans, like it's yeah, just not yeah. a popular definitely sport. Americans. Yeah. Um, uh, so I didn't know that people spent like <laughs> so much time and money <laughs> in cycling. Uh, until they came in one day to shop and paid ten thousand totally. dollars for a tri bike and you're like what yeah is going exactly on? exactly my car doesn't cost that much uh but my partner friend at the time like ended up helping me basically get a road bike because there was a club team out of the shop and i'm like dang you guys like ride all the time <laughs> and i'm like i want in and got a road bike and uh started to get some fitness and i just loved it and I was like I have to race and particularly it was like I saw these people (laughs) doing this weird race that requires you you know you're on a road bike but it's got like some fatter tires and you're like jumping over shit and you're going through sand and it's muddy and it's cold and you do it in the snow and it looks so hard and i was like you wear costumes i want to do that (laughs) yeah the costumes you get donuts people drink whiskey and i was like oh so you're having cyclocross sounds really fun and i i want to be a part of that okay and uh, that's how I ended up getting into racing was through cyclocross, um, cobbled together. How far into it? So that was back in 2010 <clears throat> when you first started working there. Yeah, so I started working in 2010. Um, I took a, and and so I was working at the bike shop for about six months, 
was on a commuter bike, moved to Copenhagen for six months to do some more kind of urban planning, um, sustainable transportation studies, which was really cool. Um, another way of seeing how, you know, people ride bikes and how bikes have influenced culture and culture has influenced bikes. Yeah. Um, very cool. So that, and then I came back in 2011 and that's that spring I got a road bike and that fall first season of cyclocross. And <laughs> so amazing. jump ahead mm-hmm. that, I mean, that was obviously like a really good introduction mm-hmm. to, uh, to your experience in cycling. So where are you at like right now mm-hmm. in your, I mean, would you call it a career? I don't even, do you have a regular job or? All I you, do. Okay. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't know, but yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in cycling though, like what, where are you at? What level are you at at cycling? So and what type of events maybe are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, on paper, I am a cat one road and cyclocross racer, which is cool. I have um, raced some UCI races, and I was on a professional um, road team, Cola Vida, for the past two years. Cola Vida? Cola Vida. Road team? Yes, correct. So what kind of, I mean, I I have to admit I'm like a little bit ignorant with road racing. (laughs) I'm the guy who tunes into Tour de France and the Amgen Tour, maybe. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, all right, so I don't know a whole lot. What kind of, like, you go to a race, where are you going? Like, tell me what it's like. Yeah. uh, What is it like to be a a road racer (laughs) for for Cola Vida? It is not glamorous, let me tell you. All right. Uh, But I found it to be just so much fun. Like, yeah. And I, I think... Um, that's my personality is I like, I'm just a fun seeker and a lover of experience. Mm. Um, and that was an amazing experience. Um, the, the team, um, you know, was as supported as a team could be, which means there's not a ton of money going around. Uh, you know, I had equipment and travel and races covered. So like that's the extent yeah. of of and and that's amazing food? absolutely uh, sometimes food sometimes mm-hmm. um, so like but that that's pretty race. sweet to go from I do this a lot <laughs> and I love it to now I'm doing it a lot and like they're taking me there I have mm-hmm. a place to stay I mean I'm riding my bike is that kind of yeah absolutely yeah. and uh, so the past two seasons I've had like. 15 to 18 races on the calendar across the country yeah and um so i was a crit criterium racing specific team um which is a you know if for people that don't know it's a specific kind of road racing that's an american style road racing that is by far the most fun thing to spectate because it's on a small closed course usually in a downtown um with like five to eight turns sometimes Mm. um everybody's staying really close together you know shoulder to shoulder elbow to elbow going like 28 miles per hour for an hour so it's super fun um it's pretty electric it's dangerous um i'm scared to do a crit (laughs) like for real i mean you're on what what size tire are you on um i am very happy to say that i talked my team into riding on 28s okay so (laughs) because i'm all about that like bigger wider yeah like crit 
cornering speed machine, and I think that is a 28 tire, okay. where most of the Peloton's probably on 25s. For the speed. Mm-hmm. But you, well, supposedly. You, yeah. Yeah. But if you can hold your speed through a corner, is that what you think? You yeah, hold totally. It a so corner, I, my, my philosophy is like I do way lower pressure um, and a wider tire than all, like common. I would say what is common. Are you giving away all your secrets right now? No, I'm telling everybody to do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Vita's going to call and be like, uh, we need you to well, edit and that. and I think it, <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, no, I got them all in 28s. Um, That's great. <clears throat> I think it is kind of an interesting thing, though, as um, maybe a lot of women going through cycling um, and, like, racing and stuff is you have to challenge some of these, like, common things or, like, the rules like there's the rules yeah. I'm quoting you can't yeah. see air me quotes. but I'm air quoting <laughs> and uh one of them is that you know you need a skinny tire and you need to pump it up to 100 110 psi yeah which doesn't make sense for somebody that is probably 60 pounds lighter than that person that says that's the rules ah. um so so are you? I'm all about that low pressure wire yeah. tire, even as a so a it's like racer. a metric that was set up by men basically so. for men's yeah. racing, and yeah, you're and just like, oh, this is work. the standard. Yeah, wait, 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 no, I'm 60 pounds lighter. It can't <laughs> yeah. be the standard. Yeah, is that kind of? I think so. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, that I mean, that's a good and kind of the s- gatekeepers of of the rules tend to be um, older white guys. You know, <laughs> ooh, that's a great segue into the book. Ooh, there we go. Because. Even yeah, like is, going <laughs> going back into women on the move, uh, which which is a, a topic that we were going to hit on, uh, law. Uh, what would we? It was it was law. That was the name of the organization that regulated mm. cycling, and it was uh, set up by men and run by men exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, there's still a little bit of that, or a lot of that gatekeeper going on. Yeah, definitely. Um, Obviously, we have made, like, tremendous inroads, I would say. Like, you have to (laughs) – this is kind of the funny thing is, like, you have to acknowledge where we've come, like, how far we've come. But at the same time, you have to acknowledge, like, we have still such a long way to go when it comes to um, cycling being inclusive. Yeah. Well, good. And and, and, um, the leaders of cycling, you know, being inclusive (laughs) and looking inclusive. Yeah. Well, good. We're going to table that for just a minute because that is kind of where we want to get to. But first, I want to hear about the crutches. Before we get into all of the the fun meat and potatoes, I (laughs) I wanted to hear credentials and crutches. I love it. (laughs) So crutches, unfortunately, have been around for almost six weeks. And uh, so I told you that you know, I've been riding pretty actively for, for 10 years, yeah. have been racing for a lot of that, uh, have been crit racing <laughs> for two to three years, um, which, you know, some would say is pretty dangerous, you know, ridden my mountain bike over stuff that I probably never should, and uh, have never uh, injured myself very, very badly. <laughs> but turns out... Um, I can actually sprain my ankle very, very badly getting off of my bicycle. <laughs> oh, were you trying to be fancy? Like we do a leg over uh, or anything? Or? You know, no, it was, it was a dismount. Um, the kind of funny thing is, is so like, I love a good legend. I love good lore. And, uh, 
where it happened was at a, um, a party <laughs> that a local cycling group um, put together. Um, oh. Wonderfully named called Troublemakers. Yes. Par for the course. Yes. Uh, they set up a pretty rad backyard. I wanted to course. be there. That looked like a good, <laughs> Race course a good time. With a pretty ridiculous ramp going over fire. So there's <laughs> lots of photos of like people yeah. jumping the fire All and right. stuff. And like people know, like a lot of people know that I, I uh, roughed up my ankle at that party. And mm-hmm. so I'm like yeah it was you know it was me going over that fire for sure without saying it I I think that's in people's minds but uh I had actually finished I was like finishing my race and uh I had my mountain bike and I had mountain bike shoes on and normally when I'm dismounting kind of like that I'm on a cross bike in different shoes Hmm. and not at a party with a fire pit you know (laughs) it's not dark um, and I, I just was getting off of my mountain bike finishing and it was like a little bit of speed maybe, but I think it also was like the shoes and I just rolled my ankle like so bad. Oh, so like your, your left or your whatever foot you put the foot yeah, you were and putting the thing, down it was, to yeah, get it, to purchase. It wasn't even like it my right rolled. foot. It was actually my left foot. So it was the second foot that and, I put down. And your like brace goes all the way up your thigh. Yeah, they booted me. <laughs> I like, really didn't it, want it. What happened? <laughs> I mean, what was uh, the injury? Yeah, so it is um, technically just a, re- a really bad sprain. Um, one of the, like, God, I don't know, the ligaments <laughs> did tear a bit. Um, it's the one that kind of runs up your calf muscle down past your ankle bone. And when I rolled it, it strained it over the ankle bone and that's how it tears which is uh, pretty disgusting yeah <laughs> and horrible but um yeah it's a it's a really bad sprain and can't walk on it you know almost six weeks in and I have another checkup next week which I think it like must, I think surgery might be on the table oh, no. I'm really like crossing my fingers against that but also like I do want to heal up in the best way yeah, possible yeah. and not think like nine months down the line dang I wish I could have got surgery but yeah. so we'll see you're hoping for the best yeah it's been um it's been a a season of stillness so you have no idea at this point like when you'll Mm-mm. be back on the bike and no. when is this appointment the next you got a bug on you <laughs> going in <laughs> i think he's hanging out in your beard now yeah there's a nice nest of there oh there he goes his his family's in <laughs> now there. he's on the microphone it's, it's wonderful he can hang there he's yeah that one was hanging out earlier he's been around he's awesome. been around yeah um yeah so no i have no idea when i'm getting on the bike next um oh. i have no idea when i'm walking next wow uh, turns out the the funny thing about foot injuries is when you're on crutches, you actually lose your hands too. And so uh, like I have no carrying capacity, which uh, drives me crazy. <laughs> like I can't get a glass of water very easily. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. It, that's weird to go from like a super active, mm-hmm. you know, cyclocross. You're doing a lot of stuff to can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would never think about that. You and gotta do everything with crutches. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, but it's my left foot, and so I can drive 
which Good. is great. <laughs> so like I can at least get myself around. Have you to ever places. been on like a long trip and you switch over to your left foot to drive? Like your right foot gets tired <laughs> and you're like, I'll try it with my left foot. Have you ever done that? No, I don't think I have. I, I, I definitely stepped no, on your okay. foot. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just injured her more. <laughs> it's okay. No, I don't think I have. I've definitely put my left foot up before. It's awkward. Um, yeah. And I actually drove um, to Durango, gosh, the week after this. Like, I had planned to go there over Christmas and planned mm. basically to, like, ski for two weeks. Mm. And uh, it turns out I just went to Durango and sat around. Well, you were destined to mess up your ankle, whether it was skiing or whatever. Totally. So yeah. It was just, just the universe yeah. being like, Hey, let's just get this. We'll totally. As, and, uh, and actually like you, you, it's kind of funny. It, it does feel like absolutely like universal, like slow the fuck down. Um, and, and I am acknowledging that and I'm sitting in that. And I think so many folks, you know, like me that are super active, um, really struggle with with stillness mm. and um it's just been kind of good i th- honestly <laughs> i've just wanted to be lazy for so long <laughs> I, was about nice to, I was about to tell you how like it's a kind of a a, a mind body spiritual like thing but honestly, <laughs> it's just <laughs> i wanted to be lazy <laughs> and not do anything and uh, like sleep in on saturday I'll, and okay, sunday I'll, mornings i'll be honest uh, every once in a while you get a cold, right? And you're just like, oh, this is so nice. I, I, you're like, like, I don't I'm have to do anything. forced <laughs> to watch Netflix yeah. for three days straight, you know? Totally. So I totally believe in rest and, and I have been somebody that has been running around like yeah. a chicken with its head cut well, off. Well, it's not like you're a lazy ass, you know, no. like you kind of <laughs> probably deserve just to, and it's good. It really, I mean, it's good to be. To be still. It is. I actually made a post about, and it's harder to do than most people think. And there's a lot of value because we're inundated all the time with things we need to do or influences from wherever. Um, It's good to just be still and be like, what am I doing? Am I happy? Who am I? What do I like? Who do I want (laughs) to be around? Like all those things, you know? So yeah. I know you're being a little bit tongue in cheek, but at the same time, there's a lot of value to be gained from that. There, there absolutely is because, um, you know, it's like, you do have to think about who, who am I if I am not a cyclist? Mm. Um, yeah, your culture, your tribe, your, everything is so wrapped in that. And so it feels good to be like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm me <laughs> and it's okay that and I'm not like riding me. a bicycle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, there are, and I, I, um, I'm kind of moving to a point in my life when I really do want to kind of diversify the things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I want cycling to stay in it, but like I would love to get into water sports or like I would love to backcountry ski and all of these things take a, a lot of time. And, and mm. mental energy and, and physical energy, obviously, okay. too. So, Yeah, this podcast is over. I yeah, sorry, bye. <laughs> oh, did I tell you I was going to be a triathlete? <laughs> oh, a triathlete. <laughs> oh, tell me about it's it. Such a departure. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, I, I'm giving <laughs> you shit. By water sports, I meant like kayaking. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I can dig it. I've been, uh, I've yeah. been actually, uh, I've, I've read uh, uh, Goodbye to a River by John Graves. Oh my God. Yeah. I actually bought that for somebody for Christmas. <laughs> so I've re- I, I read, read it, it three times in the last year. Like it's just so it's, good. It's about the Colorado, isn't it? Uh, Brazos River. Oh, the Brazos. Yeah. yeah it's even that, closer. Yeah. Yeah. That runs yeah. right. It's uh, actually the county that I live in is Brazos County. Does a river county. run through it? <laughs> a river does run through it. <laughs> yeah, indeed it does. All right. Well, uh, so to give a little, um, background to to this conversation um i just did an episode with roger gillis who is the author of women on the move which is a fascinating story if you haven't listened to the episode maybe push pause and go check it out if not um it it basically talks about a period in our history from 1895 to about 1902 Mm -hmm. and so it's only like six or seven years in our history but it's talking specifically about women's racing in america in that period of time and how popular it was like i don't think i had no clue and i'm interested to get your perspective but I had no idea that women's racing was one of the, if not the most popular arena sport in America at 1900 with, you know, tens of thousands of fans, uh, bands. I mean, the whole nine yards. I mean, it was in the press. These were these were superstars uh, in America. And it was a pivotal time in America because at that time, they didn't even know if women were capable of being athletic being athletic and Mm -hmm. and in fact they thought that it would be detrimental to their health (laughs) they thought that women were the old bike face (laughs) the old bike face yeah (laughs) uh the the are you talking about the uh the images that they would draw of them yeah this is that it that that's actually the only thing that i um had really known of uh before listening to that podcast you knew that is, they is the, depicted them the as being like gnarled. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. You can, I mean, you can look this up, but they have like, <clears throat> they would put it in the picture. It would be like a picture of Dottie. And then uh, right next to it, it would be a caricature. A, is that the right way <laughs> mm-hmm. to say it? A cartoon drawing and just this gnarled post face. Race. That's but, the best part. It's like post race face. <laughs> that, the crazy thing is, even. Even the uh, participants, even the women who were doing it, they thought that they were going to die. Like they thought that they would have a shorter life because they were athletic. Like it was just Hmm. nobody knew. Nobody knew that women could actually do stuff like that, which is crazy. What were your thoughts whenever you uh, let's start with the book? Like what were some of the things that. Were, were you aware of that? No, like, no. Oh, gosh, there's so many things. Um, I I did not know it was this popular. Definitely did not know. Um, I had kind of, like, I had seen images of women of that time on a bike, but yeah. I didn't know their story at all. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool hearing about those stories. And I think um, that er, th- those are always my favorite stories to hear are... Um, just the the people that we get to hear about in history are generally men um and like we always see men as like the pioneers of whatever whether it be you know hiking mountains or bike racing we get to hear that story and um i'm pretty certain that there's always the female equivalent to it we just don't get to hear their story about it yeah um, so it was really cool to be like, oh, wow, there is this rich history 
of this and um especially in cycling like I wouldn't have known and uh I think one of the crazy but amazing things and it's so telling and I still feel like it's so telling in how um you know women's experiences today is that they ended up being stronger racers because everybody thought that they needed to go shorter um, they needed a ride for shorter mm. uh, amount of time than yeah. the guys did. And so they ended up, you know, shortening the track and which made their races so much faster, yeah. uh, which is so cool to think about. Like, um, I, whenever you're talking about being a crit racer, that's what I started thinking about. Oh, totally. I mean, it's the same atmosphere. It's like, you're right there. <laughs> you're seeing the speed, you're in the action. You and know? I loved, I loved that, um, you know, record shows them as being competitive and aggressive, yeah. like, and, uh, and the strategy, tons of strategy yeah. that just, um, it's, it's unfortunate because I still think people kind of assume that women aren't competitive and women don't like to get aggressive. And, uh, that's just not the case. And that's actually why I started a local women's team here in Austin was that I just wanted to be like, you know what? I love competition. And I know that there's women that love competition and like for the sake of competition, like I just think it is so fun to get out there and like give it your best mental and physical, you know, What's shot. the name of that uh, team? Your team? Um, it's U- Ultraviolet. Ultraviolet Racing. Ultraviolet, yeah. It's on Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram. <laughs> follow us. Yeah, that's uh, it. So it was cool to see that because it's like, of course there's women that back then were super competitive yeah. and aggressive. It's crazy because like that, that they were doing it because, uh, well, one for the money, but also they really loved it. Like it's not that there was this easy path into cycling where – oh, we're going to be professional cyclists and racers and women, you know, it's like they like paved the way for Mm -hmm. that to, because I guess I assume they wanted to, I mean, like there was obviously a drive to do it, you know? Yeah. So, and they got paid. Yeah, I know they were, <laughs> that was they the were other doing surprising well. thing is they were making money more than the racing. Men. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. That's the one thing I want to talk about is like, it's almost like, Back in 1900, the women were more popular. The races were more well attended. They made more money than Mm -hmm. the men did. And it's kind of like gone backwards. (laughs) Like we've gone backwards since 1900, I would. Yeah. So what does it look like now for, I mean, yeah. I mean, do you, you probably have a better sense of how is it different for you versus a man? My perspective comes from kind of being us based and uh so i just want to note that and the kind of the pro road peloton too is kind of my where i'm coming from and the (laughs) it's kind of bleak for everybody (laughs) a little bit um being going to be a professional athlete um or professional road cyclist there's there's not a lot of opportunity there um and when it comes to men, um, they have kind of a built-in progression. And so boys are told at a young age that they are competitive and that they can play sports and they can do it 
Mm. for a living even. They like hear that even from, you know, being really young. And there's a lot more um, opportunities, I think, for young boys to get involved in in cycling and, and be on that kind of path to yeah, becoming a pro. more physical or athletic or yeah. whatever. Parents are just mm-hmm. pushing it from a young age. Yeah. And uh, women in the pro peloton tend to actually enter it at a later age. And um, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I would absolutely love to see more young women um, being being told. I mean, and, and we are. Um, I just think there's a, a big margin to, to grow that yeah. as well. Um, Do you see it like going at a, at a good trend? Like our... <sighs> like- no yeah that's (laughs) that's the worst part is um so just kind of what i like to compare um is like say uh you know a a dude my counter my counterpart dude counterpart starts racing decides you know he's interested um he is probably doing training rides with mostly guys um and his first race is most likely going to be a cat five race all to themselves all men and as he progresses he is going to be racing amongst his peers and so you know there's a cat four or cat five or like the beginner categories in racing you know he's racing against those and then um you know he's doing better and so he moves up to like a cat three category and generally you'll see um men get to race a cat three category by themselves and then just that progression and so but as uh you know a woman um and i say that as is is an inclusive term um you you start riding and you're probably riding with mostly guys if you're lucky there's definitely other women there um and more so you're seeing more women but you're most likely probably around guys um and then you decide that you want to race and you're lucky if there's an, a a one race dedicated to only women and there's a good chance that maybe that race is actually like an open field and so you're racing with um pros all the way down to beginners um or you're in the, the categories with the men. Um, so you're never really racing kind of that. You're never getting a feel for kind of your own category. Mm. Um, you're kind of always lumped in because maybe there's just not as many so of you. So you're like or, lumped in, but you're only competing against other women? Is yeah, that- you're generally only competing against other women. But um, oftentimes it's like, this is the, pro- it's like a chicken and the egg thing yeah. all the time. Um, if there's only four women that show up to your race, it's not going to be super fun to race like a 40 mile road race with just four people. All and right. so like I get being in, uh, you know, lumping into the guys that maybe have 30 yeah. or something. So that makes sense. Um, but it's just different. Like it's really that trajectory of learning is so different. Um, and there that's not an easy solution and yeah. people like to point fingers <laughs> i'm not pointing about fingers. no no <laughs> there's a lot of other people pointing a lot of other fingers as to why that is and how to solve it um well one thing i think is valuable or at least i hope is valuable but with with the podcast <clears throat> it, it's intentional i have two daughters mm-hmm. and i want them to be in a, a in a good inclusive world specifically in the cycling community where where i i spend a lot of my time and um, 
I feel like just being able to hear about other women and, and hear the passion for cycling and for competing. Yeah. I mean, I've had Lael Wilcox on, which is obviously <laughs> like a huge superstar with, um, with, with more of like the bike packing type, type stuff, but endurance stuff. But I mean, there, there's a lot of, I mean, there's so many, I, I could do 50% and actually that's one thing I want to do for 2020. I'm trying to do 50% women and 50% men, mm-hmm. you know, like, just because there there's equally amount good stories like absolutely and it's like what you said like for every story about a man who's done this there's yeah. a there's also a woman that's done that too we just didn't hear that story you know yeah and, so, and probably like, done it in like way more rough conditions with things against her <laughs> yeah 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 um man there's so much here and it's so rich for as uh bleak as some things are, uh, when it comes to, you know, supporting women in cycling, there's so much good stuff happening. It's amazing. And it's crazy. And now I'm like, God, 10 years goes by so fast thinking about like 10 years ago to now. Like, I, oh man, there's, there's women doing like everything on bikes and they're, they're like present on Instagram and stuff and it gets other women like excited about it from mountain biking to like some of my favorite Instagram accounts are following um, women professional downhill racers and like I just like watching them like wheelie and like doing cool shit and like I cannot watch another mountain bike YouTube video of dudes anymore because (laughs) there are women doing that now and uh bike packers and endurance endurance racers and then crit racers and holy shit like the american women in our that are top of our peloton right now are actually doing um well on the international stage ruth winder just won um the uh tour down under in australia and broke like a seven or 11 year streak of an Australian team winning that race. Like yeah. that is incredible. And so it's like, whatever you're interested in bikes, like however you are interested in riding, there's women doing that right now. And they're yeah. doing it in a way that is so rad. And so like, I, that is, you know, that's my goal as I'm inspired by other women's stories. And, um, I want to put out those stories that I don't see or that I only see, you know, guys producing. And because I want to inspire like girls, like your daughters to be like, yeah, Oh, that's awesome. I can definitely do that. And we're seeing more of that. And it's really, really cool. And, um, it's opening up even just, um, not only across, um, genders, but you know, um, culture, race, age, like you see, I, I love seeing more age diversity in yeah. cycling. I feel like cycling um, as a whole, well, you tell me, but I feel like cycling as a whole, well, I don't know about the roadie scene too much. I'm going to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> That's okay. I can't speak to that one, but the, the cycling community that I'm in, uh, seems very, maybe not very inclusive, but it seems like there, like you're saying, there's a lot of, there's it's a lot cracking. of good. It's and cracking. We're uh, seeing a lot more examples. We're mm-hmm. in, I mean, we can have podcasts, we can have social media, like we have YouTube and like people, whoever you are can put your story out there and somebody else can latch onto it and be inspired by it. Yeah. I guess the question is, where do we improve? How can we improve? Do you, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's a complex <laughs> question, yeah. but I'm a, I'm a dumb guy. I like, 
whenever you're talking about this stuff, I'm like, yeah, I had all these opportunities and I don't know what it's like to dro- show up to a group ride and be a minority, you right. know, and like, mm-hmm. I might be the only one there. I've been on plenty of group rides where there was maybe a girl there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I don't know what it's like to be that girl, you know, like where, where do we have to improve? <sighs> Yeah, that is a tough question because there's there's so many things to do. (laughs) Um, You can't solve the entire... Yeah, I think it's like, you know, kind of evaluating your own platform and deciding like, what can I do? Yeah, that's a good one. What is my sphere of influence and how can I make um, whatever kind of cycling that I'm doing more inclusive? Um, and cause that, that it's different for everybody. And yeah. I just think, I think that's actually really powerful to think about is like, and it's funny, you know, people want to like make a difference in the world, right? Like for a lot of us, like that's what we want to do. And I think sometimes it's easy to actually like look at things like Instagram and be like, oh, shit, I'm doing nothing. <laughs> like, and uh, I have that feeling sometimes where I'm like, I should be doing so much more. And then I get a DM from somebody that says, hey, I just want to let you know you've inspired me to do um, to sign up for a 65 mile ride. You know, I know that's not that big of a distance for you, but this is really big for me. Yeah, I remember and my first 65 mile. Dude, I know it's huge. <laughs> yeah. it's, 65, it's, huge. it's a big deal. <laughs> uh, but just to have this one person be like, you've inspired me to ride a bike. And I truly think that bikes can change people's lives and bikes can inspire women in a way that I will never cease to be amazed by that. And to even have inspired one person, one woman is like, it just, it filled me up. I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to keep telling my story. (laughs) (laughs) I know that feeling, man. Even though like, I don't know, my story is like kind of boring sometimes. It's not, man. I don't know. We all feel like that. I know. I know. We always feel like that, uh, but and but I, that, you know, I actually, um, I got to talk to Rue, um, who is Lael's partner and takes photos of kind of the journey yeah. that she's done, that they're doing, and they have run into backlash and like, you know, they're just out there, just they just want to ride bikes and I have know. fun and share that story, and I made sure to tell Rue, I was like. I just want to let you know, like, your stuff is so inspiring to me. And it is so important for you to be telling these stories. And, um... I I was there at the Bikepacking Summit with Lael and Rue. Oh, awesome. And Rue gave a presentation. And it was uh, the last last night we were there. And uh, she was one of the... I think she was the second to last presentation for the entire event. And when she got up there, uh, the entire room was just like applauding <laughs> and like some people were standing and it was just such a, a warm uh, thank you to her, you know, and yeah. like an appreciation for her. Um, I got to enter. I don't know if you heard that, but I interviewed both of them at the bikepacking summit awesome. and, I'll have and to got, go a, and got to a it. chance to like publicly thank her because 
I mean, I'm inspired uh, Absolutely. by Lael's story. Right, uh, and it transcends. I, I, it transcends just a story about. It women, can do right? more. It can do more than just. Yeah, it's it's a great story, mm-hmm. and and it needs to be told. I I am inspired by other women's stories, and so my goal is just to, you know, inspire even just a handful to get out there and do their thing. Something that is a pretty common theme amongst people that ride bikes is a genuine enthusiasm for riding. And I think we take it for granted sometimes that we actually have like an interest in something that like keeps us going. (laughs) And I, so many people are kind of lost out there and, and don't know what they're doing and don't have a sense of self and like, don't have anything that they're really genuinely excited about. And I just think, gosh, like (laughs) where would my life be if I didn't find that interest? I know, man. (laughs) Well, I talked about it a little bit on the last podcast, but I used uh, cycling as a way to overcome like drug and alcohol abuse. Yeah. You know, I was like in jail and you know, the whole nine yards and like really just, Hmm. not uh, you know as a shitty person just like worthless (laughs) like a loser that's a good I was a loser Uh, but I mean I use cycling as a way to to it was my new drug it was my new thing that I did and it was a healthy uh thing that I could love like gravitate to and it just took over man and 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 the community like you say it's weird how we all get here but like once we're here it's a great community Totally. And I think maybe um, this hasn't been super intentional. It's just been like who I am. Um, But it's kind of funny that there's, you know, a little bit of like kind of clicks in the bike world of like, uh, if you just mountain bike, you're like, what are these road people? And like <laughs> vice versa. And, uh, or you're a racer Ugh, racing, oh like whatever. God. I just <laughs> ride my bike to work. Ah, fuck ours. Like, it, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> like, it's kind of funny that like it, there's camps. Right. And, uh, I, <laughs> I just, I love riding my bike in all the different ways. And like, it has been fun to, try to uh like break those break those camps up. yeah and um like it's just <laughs> i think it's really funny because i have been road racing focused for the past two years and so people kind of like assume that that is that's how i ride my bike and i'm like no i like do i like all of it like I like to commute I like to go bike camping I like to ride my mountain bike for fun like I love to race and I like to race cyclocross and I like to race road bikes and it's been kind of fun to start cracking those barriers Mm. now and seeing people start to be like oh maybe I should like try a mountain bike yeah <laughs> like yeah you should trails yeah. are awesome i that's the perfect way to look at it <laughs> instead of like just getting in your camp cycling has so much to offer and i i i don't do much road because of cars and stuff that's not really my thing but uh-huh. like, yeah totally <laughs> I, I you know i do I, I mean i love all forms of cycling uh you know even a unicycle like maybe one day i'll try yeah. a unicycle well, and <laughs> the uh, also beautiful thing is Biking can kind of change with your life as you, you know, go through life. And, you know, sometimes 
like right now, like I have the ability to race, but I am not going to be one of those people that race till I'm like 80. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Uh, and like when I'm 80, like I really hope that I have like a tricycle yeah. on a bike path. Just Go, going to the grocery around, store, you know? going and to the coffee shop. I yeah. just think that's such a wonderful thing. I, that's um, that's my about riding. Is we, it? Well, we bought land in Northwest Arkansas where oh, the cool. biking infrastructure, and that's where mm-hmm. I plan on retiring because the biking infrastructure is there. Like I don't need a car, ride my bike to the market, ride to the coffee shop, whatever. You know. Mm-hmm. Why don't you talk a little bit about what you're doing in the Austin cycling community? Cool. And yeah, just talk about that a little bit. What are you doing? Yeah, so um, I will say I moved to Austin about five years ago from Omaha. And so I had kind of a couple years um, starting to get into cycling and starting to get into racing. And I moved to Austin, and Austin is uh, and has been. It's, it's, it's slightly changing, but um, it's very, like, race-focused in the community, for better or for worse. And so... I really dove into getting into racing, getting into cyclocross, and then eventually um, got into road and crit racing because there is a a weekly race series here called the Driveway Series that runs from, like, March through September once a week. It is a party, and it's racing. It's where the community goes. And so there's, like, it just it fosters, like, a great racing community. And uh, so I kind of jumped into that. And I've, I've just had a passion since started riding to get more women to ride. And then even more so to get women interested in racing because I love it so much. And I want to see more women out there. Yeah, you want some friends. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> um, and so I had uh, kind of started organizing women's rides um, and actually did it at more of a beginner level when I, when I started organizing. Yeah. And uh, did it revolving around the Rafa Women's 100, which is uh, a day that Rafa has set as like kind of a celebration of the women's community to do a 100K ride together. And uh, I can't remember if I did it two, two or three times. <coughs> the ride. Yeah. Um, so they, I thought I it's saw usually... you post something on Instagram where you're like, this is the first time I haven't been able to go or look at all these awesome women. <laughs> Probably. Okay. <laughs> you're like It's me. a theme. Like, yeah. I just, <laughs> yeah. it, it happens all the time now, which is awesome. Uh, so really started to, to just try to organize. Um, I, I was doing training rides leading up to this bigger ride. And so what my my idea was was to get women that are interested in doing a ride like that. 100k is like 62 miles yeah. or something like that. So a, a big ride for somebody that isn't doing yeah. big rides. Oh, that's a solid ride. And unfortunately for Austin, uh that was usually set in the summer, like July, I think. And so it's like horribly hot, hot for somebody that's not used to riding. Hot. Uh, but did, did a bunch of training rides, um, that started out, I think maybe 15 miles and then worked up to that distance. And, uh, I did that over a couple of years. I think I did it three times and it was, I'm still kind of shocked by what happens when you introduce women to other women and put them on bikes and, so many wonderful connections happen from those rides. Like, um, now there's like 
team clubs that are women's focused, um, like team snacks. It's just like a fun <laughs> way to get women into riding. I and it's a club. Absolutely. Everybody <laughs> wants to be on, everybody wants to be on team snacks. And like that kind of came out of those rides and like it introduced more women into racing and it like helped that. And, um, I just saw the impact that those kinds of things have. Yeah. Um, and I being competitive, and being like, I don't want to be a part of the boys racing club. I want to start a girls racing club. <laughs> uh, decided I really wanted to start my own women's team here. And linked up with um, Machines for Freedom, which is a women's um, cycling apparel brand based out of L.A. Uh, I kind I hit up the owner and uh, I, I did not expect her to say yes, but was like, hey, um, so I have this team. And I would like you to be the sponsor. Because <laughs> I was like, there's nothing better than like this rad women's brand that is focused on showing women as athletic mm. and competitive and um you know, just imagery that you don't see of women on yeah. bikes um to align with. And uh, she was like, Yeah, I think that's cool. And I was like, oh, shit, I think I have to do this team now. <laughs> so you didn't have anyone on the team yet? No, I didn't even. It was like kind of still like a, a pipe dream, but that made it that made it uh, solidified. And, and the idea behind that team was um, I just wanted to show that there are women out there that are competitive and that want to ride hard and race hard and be competitive and like understand strategy <laughs> and at the end of the day like crack open a beer and maybe go to the strip club like yeah. <laughs> like that is that is like uh, that's really like behind I what ultraviolet is. All of y'all rolling up to a strip club. Oh, it's bikes. happened many times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on the bikes, it hasn't happened yet. Let's make uh, that happen. But it's just again, it's like that was the story that I wanted to tell, but I didn't quite see out there yet. That's good. And so it was like balancing this but idea. It takes, it takes people like you. You know, it's like okay, this is missing. You yeah. Know? We we need this, so I guess I'll just do it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, it was by far like one of the best decisions I've ever made. I've absolutely loved, um, you know, organizing this team. And how many people are on it now? We now have seven, which is huge to me. (laughs) It started out with three, including myself. So I had like two other teammates and myself. And so what do y'all uh, do? Do y'all do y'all like enter certain events together and mm -hmm. like how to how to what does it mean to be on ultraviolet racing? Yeah. So, um, we, the, the initial idea was kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the trajectory of how you enter women's racing. And it's a struggle for a lot of women that, um, want to kind of race at an elite level, race at a hard level to bridge the gap between being a beginner to being, an elite racer yeah. because you, you, you kind of get in the middle category and all of a sudden you're racing with the top elite level. So, um, in, when you're a cat three, you're generally racing with like pro or cat ones. Um, so it's hard. It's like really <laughs> tough. <laughs> and, uh, uh, also what I was saying is like, there's not as many women that show up 
to racing and more so it's I think it's um challenging women drop off from racing too um granted I think men also drop off from racing you just don't notice it as much because there's not as many or there's more whereas with it's a small community of women racers when they when one when one racer decides to not race anymore it's like kind of impactful Uh, so anyway I just I, I really wanted to build up that middle for for women I wanted to build up the cat three and the cat two racers um, and so that's kind of what ultraviolet was about. So now we have and bring in kind of those competitive cat four, cat five beginner racers that are like, I really like this. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do it more. And like, I want to learn how go? to do this. Yeah. Um, kind of bring those up into the ranks. And so that's what we have now is we, I've um, uh, mostly cat twos. Um, a cat three and a cat four racer oh, cool. on the team. So is that your initiative? Are you looking to grow it and to grow know? the team? Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Right now. I mean, do you want to put <laughs> no. a pitch out there for more women to hit you up or what? Do you no, like? actually, um, what makes women's racing so exciting is having, um, people to compete against. And it is very, it, it, it takes a lot of time to run a team. And like, I, I do like bare bones. I feel like yeah. <laughs> in terms of team organization, I make sure there's a kit and I make sure registrations are paid and then, um, you know, answer questions. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's a lot of time. Yeah, <laughs> like it takes yeah, a lot of time yeah. and effort. Uh, I think, I think, um, uh, my, what I would suggest. So you to, want some competition. Yes. What I would suggest to women out there that like want a team like ultraviolet is create it. Yeah. Like, even if it maybe it's just you, like, like I said, I thought it was funny. We started out as a team of three and I felt like I was begging women to like be on the team for like two years, three years. And there was, this year it was the first year that I was like, oh shit, I have to turn people down. And I feel bad because I just can't organize that many yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and, and I absolutely would ra- like, it's so much more fun to have competition out there. You learn so much more. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can't be friends either. And that has been one of the coolest things I think in the Austin community, it is race focused. And when I came here five years ago, there like it was I just kind of laughed at it because I was like wow everybody only rides with their teammates there's like no crossover Uh, and I was like I'm not for this and I like a lot of people and I'm going to start like I'm going to start organizing rides that invite more people and it's kind of funny it's definitely more integrated yeah now and uh which is really helpful because like i said it's so race focused here so the competition gets the best of everybody sometimes and to have that amongst women in a way that um hinders friendships is terrible like that's the yeah. worst thing that could happen to uh, a women's community that's already just yeah. like struggling uh now it's like everybody is so supportive of each other and it's awesome like everybody shows up to other people's team rides and stuff and uh it makes racing so much fun too to uh you know have your pals that you love but like on the you know during the race you're like i will destroy you (laughs) (laughs) and then we'll get a beer later and then we're gonna get a beer later and laugh about it and yeah exactly uh so yeah i think i mean and like i said i think god i'm a big proponent of fake it till you make it i think everybody's 
pretty much faking it until they make it. And so if you want to start a a team, man, just do it. Like, just make a name. If you want to start a podcast, just do it. (laughs) I know, exactly, right? It's not like, yeah, there's no one stopping you, man. You can just go and do it, you know? Yeah. I love your enthusiasm. I love your enthusiasm for cycling, for racing and for being a champion for women and creating a space to to help bridge that gap you know and you know Dottie Farnsworth and Tilly Anderson yeah. they started it 100 years 120 years ago yeah. but you know we need we need women to be out there still championing that cause so it's mm-hmm. like you said you can only do what you can do so we should all focus on that yeah um but I know you gotta go so oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you're right it was yeah, yeah. I should. It's time, but I, you know, (laughs) I, uh, I have, I have some tattoos. I do love tattoos. Yes. Um, I have been very hesitant to get like a bike related tattoo. I don't know why. I think maybe it's just because I think it's cliche, but it's really not your, is it, is it Dottie? Dottie. Yeah. Yeah. Your Dottie tattoo is amazing. And I, that definitely made me think like, Huh, maybe I need to get like a yeah. super rad I, female yeah, cyclist. You should. I know, <laughs> man. There's like so much cool tattoo artwork possibilities there. Mm-hmm. Especially in Austin. There's amazing artists here. Yeah, yeah. I I was I'm so lucky that I'm related to her. That's a that's such a oh that's I can, so cool. I feel like I can tattoo her on my leg, you know? Totally. You I, know? I think it's really rad. Uh but yeah, like if if you like got it, you should read Women on the Move. Have you read it yet? Uh, no, but it's I'm it's sure, definitely on yeah. my list now. I, I can There's promise also... you are gonna fucking love it, and and you'll you'll pick a favorite and then research her some more, and maybe she'll be your tattoo. Yeah, whoever it is. The, um, there's also a book that I was kind of thinking about that you that that book reminded me of, and I think it's called Wheels of Change. Yes, uh-huh. and it it kind of details more like how the bicycle kind of propelled right. the women's movement. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. I haven't read that one yet, but that's it's really short, and it's kind of like almost like a picture book you could look through. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read it too. I promise. Uh, All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. If people want to follow you on yep. the socials, how can they find you? Uh, sure, you can find me at Jolene Holland. That's my own personal one, and uh, the Ultraviolet Racing account. Um, I highly suggest as well, and you can kind of stay up. Um, with us at ultraviolet racing and uh yeah i i also love to hear everybody else's stories and and what inspires you and all of that too so awesome give well, me I'm a holler have, i'm of a lot more coming on this podcast and obviously you can reach out to jolene as well i wish you well in your recovery thank and you and i hope to see you <laughs> back racing and champion women's causes in the cycling industry very very soon thank you patrick all right have a good one Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and thanks again to Jolene for coming on the show. Truly appreciated her uh, perspectives and just being willing to share. Maybe you've noticed that the first three episodes have been uh, either women uh, interviews or based on uh, women's stories, and next week's episode is going to be no exception. You might have heard of Katie Visco and her husband, Henley Phillips. They recently completed the first ever human-powered traverse across Australia. She ran while Henley uh, supported her via bicycle, 100% human-powered, and it's an amazing story. I 
intentionally wanted to start off this year by having the, the topic and the focus be about women in cycling. As I've mentioned in the show and a couple other times, I have two daughters, I have a wife, and I'm surrounded by women. Even my dog is a girl. So there's a, there's a personal interest of mine to learn about women's perspectives in cycling. And at the same time, I realized that that could benefit my daughters and maybe other women out there as well. So I hope you've been enjoying these first few episodes of the year, and I hope you'll enjoy next week's as well. Um, many, many more coming. So thank you for tuning in. I just want to say one thing. Bikes are fun. Go ride your damn bike. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes 